hire a guide that's really going to mentor you along the way and go, this is how you do this, okay? This is why we're going to do this. You can cut your learning curve way, way down. We'd play games. We shot each other with bows. We shouldn't have BB guns. I mean, it's just wrong what we did. Like, I don't recommend it, the danger part, but we did all that kind of stuff. That was how we grew up. The goal was add value, and that felt so much more meaningful than helping a big Fortune 500 company make more money on their bottom line. And it was promoting a lifestyle that I valued. Don't try to be someone else. Be inspired by someone else, but be yourself. Embrace who you are. This is Brian Call with the Gritty Podcast, and you are listening to The Wild Initiative. Stay gritty. Put down your latte and pull on your boots. There's a lot of people that can pull the trigger on an animal, but they don't know what to do with it after. If you would have told me that a stupid turkey was going to make me get that excited, I would have told you you were crazy. It's just a skill that you have to perfect over a lot of years. Hunting is a tribal activity. We've lost the tribe. We can't even hunt together anymore. Well, the people that are anti-hunting are usually pro-abortion. So kill the people, save the animals. I just remember riding my horse back to camp with the northern lights and the moose behind me, and I'm like, this is why I've done this. This is as cool as an experience as I will get. Hi, this is Jim Shockey. This is Sam Sohol, the public land bus guy. Hi, I'm Kimmy Greentree. Hi, this is South Cox with the Western Bowhunter Podcast. Hey, this is Ben Dedamonte, a.k.a. Shed Crazy. You're listening to The Wild Initiative. Hey, y'all, welcome to another episode of The Wild Initiative, brought to you as part of the Waypoint Podcast Network. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All right, y'all, hopping right into today's episode with a giant elk bugle, which we will get. Isn't Phelps on the back of the booth? Yes, right he here? Is. That's why, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so we'll be hearing those uh, <laughs> all podcast. Uh, but here at Western Hunting and Conservation Expo with a guy I have been admiring for many years, uh, Brian Call, one and only Gritty. Brian, I'm so glad we were able to finally sync up and uh, have you on. I know. We've known each other for a very long time. I mean... Uh, the first time I met you was at a Black Elvis backpack yep. hike a long time ago. Five years ago. Five and years. you had, like, 
you were just radiating <laughs> L.A., like California city slash country slash hippie. Like, I'm, I couldn't quite place you, but uh, you did that hike, and, and to your credit, it was it was grueling, and you did it. I think it broke your body. Oh, yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Like, that, so, I mean, that hike, because the whole thing, I was just like, I... In L.A., I'm like, I just got to get out. Maybe I'll go, like, try and find some pigs or something. And yeah. everyone started posting. It was at Black Ovis. It was the subalpine launch event. And That's it was right. just, like, a little local thing. Like, it wasn't really meant to be this, like, fly in for this event. But I'm yeah. like, flights to Salt Lake City are, like, 60 bucks. Like, yeah. you know, just <laughs> – and I'm like, I don't – you know, I, I don't want to pay for a place to stay. And so I, I'm like – well, there's a gritty hike the next day. Screw it. I'm just going to go. I, I bought this new tent. I have all this, this new pack and all this gear that I need to test out. Yeah. No better, no better time than the present. And so I, I wasn't too smart, and all I packed were jeans. So that was, <laughs> that was the first thing. But come into the event, I think I was kind of a, no, a bit of a novelty, like the, the city guy that <laughs> yeah, literally right. just flew in for this thing. You definitely stood out. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember, you know, and... So I'd been listening to the podcast for a while. Uh-huh. My good buddy, he, I was like, okay, so what do I need to do? I've, I'm like, I've always wanted to hunt elk. And he's like, well, why don't you? <laughs> and I'm like, well, man, you know, I haven't been doing this for like 20 years. And, you know, I don't have like thousands of dollars. And he's like, okay, so why don't you hunt elk? And, <laughs> and so he started running me through this stuff. And he's like, okay, you need to listen to this guy, Randy Newberg. You need to listen to the uh, Gritty Bowman at the time, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and... What I always loved about your podcast is um, I would listen to it and you would ask questions that I would ask. You were genuinely curious about um, about your guests and yeah. that always came through. So you'd talk with someone and you were genuinely curious to learn about them and they were questions that I would be interested in and I would ask. It wasn't like the same always the same stuff that yeah. everyone's asking and you made things understandable for someone that was new to it. And I mean, there was always stuff that would go over my head, but I would like, I would hear that same stuff and it, again and again and again, I go write it down and learn. But so from day one, like your podcast was one of the huge inspirations for me in my ridiculous <laughs> journey into elk hunting. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember, and you've, you've heard me tell this story a couple of times, but we're sitting in there, you know, there's like a taco truck there and <laughs> I'm like, oh man, you know, like, like Brian's going to be there. I get to like, get to like meet one of my, one of my heroes. Like, yeah. I don't like, I worked in the music industry. I meet like these giant music right. stars and I couldn't give a shit. Right. Right. But I'm like, oh man, I get to meet Brian Cole. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's I funny how I, I, I figured this out years ago like people want to meet those that kind of made an impact on their lives Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's a musician who has millions and millions and millions of followers or sometimes it's a dude down the road that hardly anybody knows but somehow or another impacted your life in a positive way it's not really about you know so much their how big a name they are or fame Mm -hmm. or it's really like they impacted me, and that makes them someone I'm, I'm a little yeah. eager to talk to and, and meet. And I find it, I feel the same way about certain people in my life that have really impacted me. And so I feel, I, I'm like a little weird around them. And, they're, they're, and, and yet, you know, it always, it always turns out fine. Like, and, and, and when I met you, you were kind of... Oh, my God. <laughs> I, was, I was so awkward. Like... 
I, I just remember you turn around and, and it was because I was like, I was like, okay, I'm going to be, you know, cool, like prepared to meet him. And, um, but it was just so sudden because I didn't see you in front of me in line and you just turn around and you're like, oh, hey, I'm Brian. And I'm like, I, it was full on like, uh, I like froze and then I had word vomit moment where like, I'm Sam and I run my own podcast and I listen to your podcast a bunch. Like, <laughs> it was, and you were such a good sport about it. You, know, you took, took the picture with me. Yeah, and, yeah. Oh my gosh. And then, yeah, that hike. And so I went and camped out uh, at the, the head of the hike. I was stuff, like, yeah. okay, got to try out this new tent. And you guys were, and I think I told, like, we were just all, everyone was talking. You guys were like, wait, what? Really? <laughs> all right, all right. And then, yeah. <laughs> and I had all my gear. Like, everyone kind of brought their packs, packed water, and yeah. you know, put a minor stuff in their packs for the hike. Me, I had, like... All of my clothes for the weekend, my tent, like, I brought the stove because it was cold. It was, yeah. it was, there was, I think there was still snow on the ground in Seriously. a few spots. Like, I had, like, 50, 60 pounds in my pack from everything. And uh, and I was, like, I'm in my head, I'm, like, I should probably, like, dump this pack. <laughs> but I'm, like, I got it. I can't look like, I can't look like a <laughs> pussy in front of these guys. Like, just to put yeah. it out there. And... My only goal was I couldn't be the last guy up. I was the third to last guy up <laughs> by maybe like five feet. Right. And I remember, you know, you, you, guys, you guys were up at the top. And uh, I just remember both of you looking at me like, how you doing, California? <laughs> <laughs> and I remember, I think, I remember I looked, at, I looked at you guys and I was like, that is the worst thing I've ever done in my life. And yeah. I don't think you expected it. I think yeah. you expected me to be like, oh, I'm, I'm cool, you know, bro. Right, right. And I'm like, no, that was horrible. What? What? <laughs> Yeah. Would I ever Why do would that? you do that? Yeah, <laughs> uh, that was fun, man. Yeah, that was, and it's weird seeing like how far everyone's come since yeah. then, and how things are changed. And like, if you would have told me you would be doing this podcast and have done the hunting that you've done, it was hard to picture that future. Like, based on you know how much uh, you know how new you were to everything. Yeah. And and then and then to see it and to become good friends like you and, and the Lampers and, and stuff it's been uh, yeah you can life's a wild ride. Well, and that's why I always say that's why I started this podcast was because I'm like I want to get into hunting. Yeah. I don't know anyone that does it. Yeah, like I could go to the the local turners and try and talk to some people, and it's like we always say that you know go to your local archery shop and. That sometimes works, but if we're being realistic, there's a lot of dudes that are just going to kind of, they may be nice to you for a minute, but you're never going to hear from that guy again. Yeah. You're not going to go hunt with him. And yep. I told myself, I'm like, I want to be able to talk to the best people that know this stuff. Like, I want to learn about bear hunting. I want to talk to Ryan Lampers about some bear hunting. And like, I mean, and we kind of had the same motivations, right? Like, uh, and I wanted to have a one-on-one conversation. And I wanted the opportunity to really dive into how they think, what makes them tick, what 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 their experience is. I want to recreate or re. I want to be able to do the things that they're doing. I need them to unlock the secrets, and mm-hmm. so that's when you do a podcast. That's the opportunity, right? You get that one-on-one. Both people are committed to the conversation, yep. and I I think uh, it's. It, it, and it's more meaningful to me than an Instagram post. I'd rather listen to a one-hour conversation than just post something on social. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's... <sighs> or see something on social. This has opened up so many opportunities for me. Like, I mean, the stuff I've done, for the most part, 
the the success wow i can't say that word success i've had has really been if i track it back has been because of starting this podcast and i mean everything that surrounds it like yeah. just uh, the confidence it's given me to go talk to people and i remember i remember my first trade show and like meeting christy titus yeah and i was like same kind of thing i was just like you know, I don't, I don't know if you got time or anything. Like, you know, I, I kind of have this podcast. I've, I've only released two episodes, but like, <laughs> if you got time, maybe. You know, she, Chris Ty is like the sweetest person on earth. She like, is, yeah. And uh, she introduced me to a bunch of people. And, you know, it's wild uh, just thinking about the access that, it, that it's given me uh, to people. I finally harvested my first elk. Uh, not this last season, but the season before. Yep. And again, I track that back to the people I've met in the industry, the things I've learned from running this podcast, the opportunities, you know, I mean, hanging out with Cody Rich and he, he's giving me tips like when I was on my Montana hunt, you know, yep. and uh, talking, you know, crashing at Ryan and Hill's pad <laughs> before I lived in Montana, you know, yep. um, it's some, some crazy stuff, man. It's been a wild ride, but what would you say has been um, the, you know, you got your first elk. What's the big thing that made that happen compared to where you, where you weren't successful? A big help was having a guide. <laughs> I had okay. John. I went with John Stallone. He was a buddy. But I mean, I did. There was a lot I learned up until then. And every, I, I, it is very like clear the progression from every every yeah. elk hunt that I've done. Every time I got closer and closer and closer, you know, till 2019, I was like in elk. I was drawn back on them. I couldn't quite seal the deal, but I finally knew that I could do it. Yeah, right. I knew that, like, it was a, a real possibility in my future. And then I drew Arizona on three points um, and uh, went down. I was like, That's okay, awesome. I want to get I want to I want to get a bowl. Like, yeah. I really want one this year. I, I drew Arizona. So I called up John Stallone. He's a buddy. And, you know, again, through the podcast, yep. he's been on my podcast like five times, six times. And uh, John's got that accent. <laughs> oh yeah, there's just it's it's hard not to love and hate John at the same time, you know. And uh, he would fully agree with that statement. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's just he is so unapologetically character. him. He's Total such character. a character. I love him. I love the guy. Um, but you know, we had it was a tough hunt. Uh, game fishing game was saying it was the worst rut in like 17 years. Yeah. something stupid. That was a year we couldn't hardly find. It was just droughty and nasty. Oh, it was dry and. They bugle for a little bit in the morning, yeah. and then they just take off. And they nothing wanted to fight. They just you would bugle at them. They take their cows, pick up, and take off. Yeah, like it's it's was ridiculous. I heard that. Um, you know, I've always told people, I I got lucky. I got to go on a lot of guided hunts at a certain uh, uh, as my podcast grew and got more popular. I had a few companies say, "Hey, we want to take you with us on this trip." Yeah, we're gonna yeah. take you here. We're gonna take you there. We're gonna take you. And I'm like, okay, I I'm not gonna say no. Let's go do this. And, and when you realize, when you hunt with a guide, guides hunt five, six months, eight months out of the year. They might have, uh, they might be responsible f for helping hunters take some 20 to 40 animals in a season. I mean, most of us get to hunt a couple of animals maybe. So you, they come with a vast level of experience. Mm -hmm. And if you hire a guide that's really going to mentor you along the way and go, hey, this is how, this is how you do this, okay? This is why we're going to do this. Mm -hmm. You can cut your learning curve way, way down, especially when you're hunting a foreign animal or a foreign species, like a foreign place, like Kodiak Island for, for Sitka Blacktop with yeah. Cole Kramer. It's like, wow, I learned a lot, you know. Now, now I could go back 
and I can put those pieces together and you know, you're on top of it. But I think it's great that you that you got that. And then there's something about I say this all the time, sounds bad, but killing begets killing. Yeah. Or success begets success. It, there's something about you need to have that success to know, yes, I can do this and I can make it happen again. You'll notice that a lot of guys just don't kill an elk, don't kill an elk, or whatever they're after. And then finally they do it. And then all of a sudden they're doing it every every Two other year. Years, yeah. Kind and of then, thing, yeah. Then the next thing you know they're doing it, you know, almost every year. Mm-hmm. Or it becomes that they rarely don't do it. And it they'll go 10 years on this thing without any and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, boom, and then and you'll notice like it's the one success kind of begets more success. Well, I think so much of what it is is like, you know, we always talk about like I've learned more from my failures than I ever have my successes. And, yeah. and so I've learned a lot, um, a whole lot. But it gets to a certain point where un- you have to have that success to get to that next level of learning. Because right. you learn all the things not to do, but then you get to this point where it's like, okay, now I need to know what does work. Like, yeah. you know, and, and, and refine that. And, and so then once you finally get that measure of success and you or that little bit of success, you can then contextualize a lot more of what you learned in those failures. And I think that's why then you suddenly start becoming a lot more successful yeah. afterwards. And I mean, there's I agree. the huge confidence boost. There's, there's so much that, that goes with it. You know, you, you, I, I think there's, there's, it's a perfectly valid confidence comment. is huge, yeah. huge. Believing but, in what that you can do it. That's huge. Oh yeah. Like, well, it keeps you out in the field longer. If nothing else, yeah. you'll stay in the field longer. If you're confident, you can kill something. Yep. And what kills more elk? Time in yeah. the field. Yeah. Like, more than anything yeah. else, the more time you spend in the field, the more likely you are to kill a bear, kill an elk, yep. kill a deer, whatever you're trying to shoot in the face. Absolutely. Know? So I would love to know what, what inspired this for you? Like what... Mm-hmm got you into the outdoors and hunting and, and really like developed that passion for you? Well, I grew up, um, I grew up on some acreage out in the middle of nowhere in uh, Oregon city. My parents bought this land, uh, and my aunts and uncles and my grandfather, my whole family bought this huge compound, basically like, like 40 acres, uh, five acre lots, and they all went out there, carved in roads, built houses, and basically homes, like, just made this family compound, basically, in the sticks. It's real, like, um, you know, uh, cultish, you know? <laughs> my, my family may or may not live in a similar area. Um, all adjoining plots of land. Yeah. And uh, I always refer to it as the compound. Yeah. And my, they, they are like, stop it. You make it sound like a bunch of religious crazies. <laughs> right, I'm like, right. well, you are a bunch of religious crazies. <laughs> right. We all are. So <laughs> so we ended up, uh, I ended up growing up out there. My cousins were my best friends. And, and we had some neighbors, friends, as people we hung out with. But we're catching crawdads, spending all days outside. There was no, there was the first, when I first moved out there, my parents lived in a tent, a wall tent while they were developing the land. Okay. And so we parked out there. Uh, we slept in the, the Volkswagen van at sometimes <laughs> when it got real rainy. And that went on as they developed the land and got the septic put in and cut the roads in. And I mean, how long are we talking here? Like, that was first grade, you know, and uh, throughout all of first grade, mostly in the tent. 
Then after that, they got a little, they got it kind of done and they got a little uh, double wide pulled out there and parked out there. And I grew up in, in that little trailer and my parents were young, you know, they had me when they were just barely 17. Oh, okay. Uh, so, you know, they, um, I had real young parents, like, you know, and I mean, young. So here's a question for you. Could you imagine a couple of like 17, 18 year old single parents like doing something like that nowadays? No, I mean, I think, you know, we had back the internet has ruined lives, (laughs) social media, (laughs) modern technology has ruined society. I'm just going to say, I think the eighties and nineties were the best. Everything after 90, after 2000 started to go downhill slowly. See, as an adult, I love it. Yeah. I'm so glad I grew up with minimal, none. Yeah. I mean, like, look, I grew if, up on a if, DOS prompt look, computer. We, we had Atari, and yep. there was, like, a couple of games, and Pac-Man, right? There was, like, that was it. Yep. And we didn't even get to play it. Like, the parents wouldn't let us have it. That's rotting your brain, you know? I mean, so we lived in a trailer. Okay, well, your mom's like, get the hell out of the trailer. Okay, I don't. <laughs> you're all living on top of each other. So, what do we do when we're outside? Rain or shine, wet or or winter or what? It was just you did things outside, and your your activities were all outside oriented. We'd catch crawdads, we'd climb trees, we'd build forts. You know, we'd throw rocks, we'd catch frogs, mm-hmm. snakes. Like that's just what we did. We'd play games. We shot each other with bows. We shouldn't have <laughs> BB guns. I got a BB lodged in my leg somewhere yeah, still. It's, it's just wrong what we did. Like, I don't recommend it, like, the danger part. But we did all that kind of stuff. That was how we grew up. So for me, as I got older, I was always into the outdoors because I didn't know anything else. We camped outside all the time. It was just mm-hmm. nature, natural for me. And then I hunted, you know, had uh, the... we go out with my aunt, uncle, my grandpa, my dad, and we, everybody wear orange and you get them some crappy tag <laughs> and you'd have 2,000 hunters all descend on a four-day hunt on this one unit and then guns would go off, everybody shoot a spike and then the hunt would be over. <laughs> and, you know, and I, I loved it and um, we got horses and we, we would, as I got to be a teenager, 14, 15, 16, 18, I was riding horses and snake snake river area of oregon eastern oregon Grande, and we would be riding horses out there hunting elk and we were just riding around we didn't know what we were doing uh i look back at we didn't know what we were doing we wandered <laughs> around with guns and then when we saw something we'd shoot it we busted our cans we worked hard and we shot we shot critters where no one else would shoot them because they're, they're hard to pack out but we'd find a way so i it, i was always into that it was yeah. never a time where i wasn't into that but I wouldn't say I was skilled at any of it. I just did it, you know, duck hunted, all that kind of stuff. So as I was getting older and I was doing archery more and just into hunting, um, I, I went to different, I went to Prince of Wales Island for black bear. I, I, co- I went to, uh, I went for Kodiak. Uh, I went for, uh, uh, you know, uh, Sitka blacktail and other animals, and it just sort of expanded. Mm-hmm. But I had a great job. I was making six-figure income. I was working from home three days a week. I was my own boss. 
I was doing finance, accounting, and, and uh, I was the IT change uh, director at an insurance company, big, big Fortune 500 company. And I was just, I was just doing, like... You're just getting by. I was just doing film on the side for oh, fun. Okay, okay. And I, uh, I was filming some stuff because I wanted, I got bored. I got bored with all my free time and all the money. And, and I'm like, I had no debt. I did the Dave Ramsey, get out of debt. I had my six months of expenses. I had good retirement being built. And everything was just cranking. And then my wife got cancer in 2014. And uh, the cancer, um, it kind of like what devastated me. I didn't know... You know, we didn't know, you never know with cancer, and we didn't know if she was going to live or die. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, all that wealth I'd been building and the trajectory I was on and the things I was doing uh, really didn't matter to me at all. I, I would trade all of it for her to be okay. Like, I, I realized how fleeting and meaningless income was. Like, what yeah. I wanted was more have, to have spent more time outdoors or doing what I enjoy, spend more time with her, more time just not working. Yeah. And I, I look back and I'm like, she was going through chemo and uh, I ended up being at home a lot and the company was very gracious, helping me work from home far more Full days time, a week yeah. than I normally would have. Like I was literally not at work for weeks at a time in the office. Yeah. I did really good work though. I delivered. I got work done remotely and I was efficient. So my bosses loved me. And what it enabled me to do is have that freedom because I proved to them I don't need to be here mm-hmm. to deliver. And they knew that. So then I've always said, leave me alone. Judge me by my deliverables. Yep. Leave me alone. I don't don't worry about when I show up, when I don't, how many hours I work. What do you want done? By what date? Judge me by that. Leave me the hell alone otherwise. And they're like, okay. So that's kind of how it went. So I still got things done, but I started filming and and I decided to podcast too because I just wanted to pursue hunting and the outdoors more. I wanted to tell more people about it. I wanted to learn more about it. So I just started filming and podcasting on the whim towards the end of Suzanne's chemo treatments and Mm -hmm. i knew she was probably going to be okay now um and i was like i i i launched that thing and and it started to climb really quickly there wasn't anything else i was first to market you know when you think of hunting podcasts i was right there on the ground level one of the first shows that to do it Mm -hmm. uh there's only a couple guys ahead of me and then after me a couple more and so i got to from the ground level do this thing and I had a vision for how I want to do it, and I just did it my way. And uh, it grew. It took off, and it was really fun, and it was a fast ride. I got swept up into, you know, attention right away, companies, brands, people. Within a, a year or so, I had to make a choice to quit my job and do it full-time or not. I had Joe Rogan on my podcast because I was at one of these shows. Mm-hmm. Cameron Haynes brought him over, and we started talking, and I'm like, you want to sit down just like we are right now? And I'm like, he's like, Yeah sits down, Joe Rogan podcast, he sits down with me and he he takes my show from like 50,000, it's like at 15,000 downloads a show or something, mm-hmm. 
to like seventy-five to a hundred thousand downloads Jeez. an episode for like it just blew my mind and all of a sudden it was like we talked about it people knew about it you know and mm -hmm. so it was really cool it was really cool it was a fun ride and there wasn't anybody else really doing it so we kind of held the market you know yeah. and uh it was fun i got to know almost everybody in the industry i i i had a good i had a good time and i quit the job and did it full time and i remember the first time like being totally independent and going never forget how this feels never forget how this feels like it'll be easy to complain about your your work a year or two from now after you're spoiled you know but right now just remember no one's telling me when i have to go to work or when i have to come home which they didn't really anyway but still i'm like yeah. i'm literally free 100 you're, you're not beholden to anyone nobody except for yourself nobody and that was for me, that was utterly liberating. So I'm like, here I go, you know. And then it continued to grow and grow and grow. And I quit my job and my wife was better. And uh, and I just started, my, my thought was when I did the podcast, both the film and the video, I was like, just add value to people. Like best you can, like bring value, whether you're, I'm teaching you how to be healthier, mm -hmm. uh, how to get out of debt or sharing with you things that help me on hunting and stocks or the weapon I use or how I shoot my bow. I, I share a personal struggle with maybe a target panic or something and, and then walk you how I got through it or I had a knee problem or I didn't have that, but uh, these issues, right? And, and you mm -hmm. walk people through them and they, they feel really empowered because you made a difference to them so the goal was add value and that felt so much more meaningful than helping a big fortune 500 company make more money on their yeah. bottom line it was more tangible to me and it was promoting a lifestyle that i valued so the whole thing was like that's kind of the package deal like why i quit how i did it why i did it this way and and we're all on a journey right i just want to learn all mm -hmm. the time i'm hungry to learn new things all the time. And if I ever stop learning, that's when I'm ready to just go to the grave. Like yeah. there's always new things, new avenues. So I push myself in the podcast space, in the film space, the YouTube space, the business space, you know, the manufacturing space, you know, uh, the hunting space. You know, I want to accomplish things on the mountain with my backpack and and, and the do-it-yourself approach on public land with Ryan, I want to go, the two of us, to go do things that seem impossible and then achieve it, you know? But, I mean, you look at, you know, you talk about adding value and inspiring, you know, inspiring these people to do, do things. And, I mean, like, again, we talked about this at the beginning of the podcast. You inspired so much of what I've done. Listening to your podcast, watching watching the videos you put out, you know, reading your gear lists. Like, I mean, so much of what I've done in my hunting career, for lack of a better term, yeah, has been inspired by you, by Ryan, by a lot of people surrounding you as well. And uh, we have a loud band starting yeah. up at the Mountain Op stage right now. Um, but I think about that, and I've had people then come up to me and say, like, hey, man... I would have quit hunting years ago after yeah. years and years of, of no success. I would have quit if it wasn't for your podcast. 
that's secondary because of you. Like, you think about, you know, you may think about the people you directly affect, but there is so many more yeah. beyond that. Like, yeah. all of the people that, that you've inspired to hunt that then take other people to, to hunt. It's just exponential how we can, doing this stuff and sharing our experiences and being authentic and telling these stories and just, as you said, providing value, regardless of what that is, how just expansive yeah you can you can make this and how much joy you can bring to people and like a guy that's been listening to my podcast he started around the same time i had i just had him on recently zero success he was not finding any success he, and he was struggling through it he's like sam i would have quit years ago if it wasn't for your podcast and you sharing your failures and just recently he drew the, like the governor's tag here in utah and he filled his very first tag on a big old bull moose and it was like i it was the coolest story you know and he even used one of my knives to to notch his tag too and it like that meant so much to me um and it's just it's wild because i still feel like it's my first week podcasting sometimes like i still feel like i'm that kid getting off the getting off the plane hopping on the the train up to yeah up to salt lake and like going on that hike in my blue jeans and I still well, feel like that all the time. I, I feel like um, that's authentic, right? Like my my word of advice for anyone who's going to create content, whether it's films or, or podcasting or any of that stuff, you'll have someone say, "Well, don't act this way. It's awkward or cringy, or don't say this thing, or or uh, I don't like it when a guy screams and yells after an animal is shot. Like I'd rather him be quiet and 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 calm." And I'm like. Shut up. Mm-hmm. Just be yourself. If you're the guy that loses his mind after he shoots an elk, be the guy that loses his mind. That's who you are. Just do you. If you're the guy like Ryan that shoots it and is like, you can't tell if he's happy or not, <laughs> that's that's authentic. That's you. Like, that's, you know, that, that stuff. Like, don't pretend or don't try to be someone else. Be inspired by someone else. But be yourself. Be embrace who you are. Like don't don't sweat. Like trying to because it's not authentic. Yeah, you're fit. You're not. That's not you. Be your authentic self, and that will connect with people. Well, and you're, you know, we always talk about respecting the animal or whatever that happens to be. And if you're not authentically, you know, the person you are, you're not you're not doing any of this process, the story, the animal, any of it. You're not respecting any of that. Yeah, because it just. Because then you're, you're, you're trying to prove something or you're trying to, you know, you're trying to, I don't know, just create this persona that, that you aren't. You're, you're being fake about it, and that doesn't do anything. Yeah. Any, that doesn't provide respect to anything. So it's like, okay, yeah, if you are the guy that hoops and hollers, some people may not think that's respectful. But if you try and hold that down... You know that is authentically you, and that's what's going to do respect to the yep. the animal, whatever that whatever that yep. happens to be. But you know, it's I've been you know I've been watching a lot of the videos lately, and you know you guys have been on a I feel like it's been a bear kick lately, <laughs> like which I love because yeah. again people are probably sick. I like the past probably five podcasts I've been like I love hunting, I want to hunt bear so bad, <laughs> like. And because it's what inspired me. It was one of the very first things. It was elk that got me really out into the woods. But bear, it was like, that was one of those first things that got the gears turning. Because I saw in the regs, like, 
there's an archery bear. I'm like, that is man right there. <laughs> archery bear. And, yeah. you know, now it, now it like seems like this. I mean, now if we're telling you, there's a difference between going into Alaska and hunting a brown bear with your bow versus, you know, a black bear or yeah. whatever it happens to be. But it's just, it is always been in the back of my head one of these things and and so just watching you know all your videos and and getting to hear some of the stories like behind the scenes before they're fully announced like i just i love that inspiration because i've got a buddy coming out and he's a bit always been interested in, you know he's had a gun he shoots but he's never been hunting and he was supposed to come out in january for waterfowl yeah and, and that didn't work out and so he's like well what can we do later in the year and i'm like well it's, it'll be more expensive for you as a non-resident, but we got spring bear. Yeah. And I'm like, it, the likelihood of us getting something is going to be a lot lower than if we have a, you know, go out and sit in a duck blind and, right. and plug like a bunch of Canada's. It's going to be more intense. You're going to have to be more ready. And he's like, that, dude, that sounds awesome. He's like, I, and he, he understands. Like, he's like, yeah. I know we may not get, I know we may not even see anything. It's going to suck. He's like, but I just, I want the experience. And so yeah. I'm excited. There's something about out. being out there with a tag in your pocket. And the possibility, right? And uh, but that's a good attitude to have because that's kind of how it is. You don't know. It's there's no guarantees. Well, and especially when you're going with me, that's hunted bear maybe twice. <laughs> like I've gone out, I've not seen much success at all. Well, the thing that is, it's good to note is that you know sometimes we go out and we hunt, and we will go five days and not see a single bear on a 10-day hunt and people are like they see our videos and i try to make that clear you know because yeah. i want people to understand but you know it, on a couple of these hunts that were 10 days long we only saw two bears that were that were shooter bears and they're they're the two we shot yeah that was it thankfully we saw two and last year uh was not a great year for me on the first leg i didn't I got a small bear. I wanted the bear because I wanted the meat, and I had two tags. So I'm like, "All right, I'm going to take this because it's been days." And it was it was it was mature enough, you know. So I took that bear, but that was it. That was my probably my my one of uh, my that's my least productive bear hunt in years. Uh, then a couple weeks later, we were in another spot, and I shot a giant bear, and it was a great experience. And but so people. They'll be successful, and then they'll be, they won't be. That's just part of it, and, and especially with bear, you'll, you'll feast in famine. There'll be times where we see, like, five, six bears a day, and they're everywhere, and we just keep finding them. Then there'll be stretches where we don't see a bear for six days. Bears are one of those things that I feel like you just need to be where they are. Like, I mean, with any animal, you have to, but... I feel like bears are just a little more all over the place. I mean, is that like a fair statement? Or? Yeah, that's why. If you can get in the country where the green up is just happening, right, right, like where the only places that are green are just the ones that are perfect, like right when they're coming out of their dens, you got about a week or two where it's green right then and there. And that's when you're going to hit it. You know, and you that's when you want to hit that green. If you don't, if you miss that window, um, everything turns green. Now they're everywhere. Yeah. But when you get there, when there's only two spots that are green, you'll find four bears on the same green spot. That and makes a lot of sense. So yeah. I always say err on the side of going too early 
on bear hunts, I found it's yielded better results than going too late. Yeah. Too late is tough. Too late is when you hardly see bears, can't find them. That's actually it's actually really helpful for me because I'm right in the process of figuring out when to schedule my buddy to come out. So we'll definitely I'll definitely have to drag him out at the right at the beginning of the season. You know I'm gonna look. I like late April or um, the first week of May. Well, I've been I've been talking with uh, Livesey, you know, and you know, he, and he talks, you know, he talks mostly about elk. Yeah. But so much of that data, especially like when he talks about the late season hunts yeah. and and uh, the snow layers and and all of that stuff and finding where that snow melt is. Yep. That's huge for bear. Um, you know, and we kind of talked about that a little bit on the podcast I did with him. Uh, but being able to find, yeah, like you said, that little spot of snow melt and looking through that historical data to know when to schedule your hunt so you have a better chance of like, okay, likelihood is it's going to be green, then let's plan Let's plan for that. That's a, a fantastic option. Yeah. But, you know, it's a, bear is always one of those things that it's always fun to talk to people about because you, you, get so, you get those weird reactions, man. Well, I feel like predator hunting is way different than you know hunting ungulates mm-hmm. it has a different feel and it's special i think it's special oh, yeah. i i think uh i i'm kind of happy that ryan and i kind of were like like a lot of people are like i don't want to sit over bait i don't want to do this with bear i don't want to do that and it's like no there's you can spot and stalk bear you can go into yep. the mountains you can experience nature in a really rugged way and I think we showcased that. And now people see bear hunting in a different way than they did before we started producing a lot of this bear content. Yeah. And now I think there's a there's a groundswell of support and interest in pursuing black bears and eating the meat that wasn't there 10 years ago. And it's great to see. Well, yeah, I mean, you know how it is. People, the second you say bear, people immediately start to turn their nose up. And, you know, they're like, they would never imagine you would eat eat that meat. And first thing I tell them is, like, the people I know would take bear meat over deer or elk just about any day. Like, I mean, you you talk with lampers. Gosh, that dude. I've eaten more canned bear meat from that guy's house. (laughs) That's That's also my favorite, to see the reaction. It's like... When you tell people, it's like, oh, yeah, canned bear meat? That's like the bomb. Yeah, it is. And they're like. I know. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> oh, my gosh, yeah. All my friends, though, are still, they're still it's, a little questionable when I talk about the bears. You just got to get a bear and then can it and then have it for dinner, and they will completely be converted. That's the thing I love doing, and it's, you know, I've, I've talked about this before where kind of, you don't lie. Like, I, I, you know, I'm not, like, pulling a fast one on them, but, like, I'll, I'll cook a meal for people, and I won't tell them what it is. I'll tell them afterwards. Yeah. You know, you cook a, you get a nice elk loin steak, you know, and you grill it up with a good good rub, and, you know, you get it nice and tender, and they're never going to, they're never going to turn that down. Like, it's juicy, it's good. Yeah. And you're going to be like, yeah, this is that elk that I shot, and they're like, holy shit. Like, really? And... Moments with my family, like I have, I had a javelina that I turned into barbacoa, yeah. And it was just that moment of like sitting around watching my whole family eat. It wasn't like this big, like this is wild game, and let me talk yeah. to you about the North American model of wildlife conservation. <laughs> right. Like it wasn't that. It was just looking back and knowing that I, you know, I fed my family, and they're all enjoying it like they would any other meal. Yep. 
it was the it was the simplicity of it that I think made it more more special. It was the fact that it wasn't they weren't eating it because it was this wild game meal that I prepared and right. I harvested with my own hands. Like I totally get it. No, there's some there's some amazing about that. And it's con- I feel like the food has converted a lot of a lot of people. Absolutely. Uh, the adventure is important, but the food. The food is the that universal thing that people really connect with. They can immediately latch because I mean, what's the first thing somebody, you know, asks you when like a, a non-hunter that asks you when you hunt? It's like, oh, well, you know, okay, like as long as you eat the meat, right? Yeah, like that's the first thing you'll get, and then then they can connect a little bit after that with the adventure and and the work you put in. They they recognize that, but it's that food. Yeah. You're right that absolutely connects them <laughs> yep. to the podcast because it's such a universe i mean we all eat we all eat you know some people eat more than others and some people make poor choices in what they eat but we all eat yep. and i feel like everyone can enjoy a good meal and appreciate yep. that so absolutely but so if folks wanted to find gritty find the podcast find the videos find all of the bear stuff where can where can guys look well, you can find me on YouTube on uh, Brian Call, uh, Brian Call Gritty. Just Google Brian Call Gritty. You'll find the YouTube channel. Yep. And on that, you know, in our Gritty Films playlist, you can find a lot. You can go to BrianCall.com, and then you can find me on Brian Call, Brian underscore Call, on uh, Instagram, and it's uh, with an I, B R I A N, and. Um, those are the places. Lampers and I have a gritty, stealthy community. Ryan Lampers, Stealthy Hunter, uh, on Locals.com, where people can subscribe and get, uh, it's like $7 a month, and they get access to tons of exclusive film, and we do tons of live streams. Okay. So it's kind of cool. I'm not going to do that. We don't do that stuff live on YouTube, but we do there. And so it's a cool community. We have all our friends and buddies and people who've joined up get on there and they're like typing in during the stream and we it's very interactive it's really fun and then like I said we do exclusive films we did a two two part series just a little bit ago on a monster muley hunt that was awesome nice uh, we did a lot of giveaways and free gear and we do that too it's, I just know how YouTube has been and iTunes and Spotify and it's like. Everyone is out there to cancel stuff that they They're don't agree with. For a reason, looking there's just a lot reason. of people who want to cancel hunters, and especially the more mainstream platforms like YouTube, demonetizing our hunt shows and stuff. So I'm yeah. like, look, we got to build a new home, not because we've been canceled, but because they might. I don't trust them, so we've built this whole new new space over there, and so that's. To get there, you just go to gritty.locals.com. Awesome. Well, I will make sure to link to all of that. You know, so I always like to close out with, say you, say you run into some Californian in a pair of jeans. Yeah. Clearly never been hunting in his life. <laughs> and he's like, man, you know, like. If I remember there were some chains, too. And was I was I wearing a, a necklace? Dear big Lord. old chain with uh, like I don't know was it a Mercedes Benz medallion or something? <laughs> I mean, there's good chance I was wearing a cross necklace. Like, um, oh man, that was just I like I've got. That I think picture. you had cowboy boots too. I can't remember. I've got that was, picture uh, in in this. Um, I love no, it. No, I was I was wearing. Uh, 
Flip-flops? No, I had I, I, I had to have had hunting boots. No, uh, I guarantee I was wearing hunting boots yeah. because I had my... But I was wearing the heaviest, hottest pair. I was wearing the crispy hunters. <laughs> the, like, full, like, 12-inch... On a summer hike. On a summer hike. Because it's all... I, I, I was right. like... I, when I was buying a pair of boots, I was like, I need... I need a pair of boots because I can only afford one right. that will literally work for best for four seasons. And I'm like, I'm going to have to sack up during the, the hot months, <laughs> but it is what it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, but you know, say you, a guy who's never been hunting in his life clearly comes up to you and it's like, Hey, I've always been interested in this, but like, I don't know. There's a lot to buy. There's a lot to yeah. learn. There's just, it's maybe it's a little too much for me. I'm a little, maybe I shouldn't. What encouragement would you give him, give that person? I would say, um, you know, when we went out and we hunted, we, we would go out with a Walmart 10 that we got for 20 bucks. Not even Walmart, it's Kmart. And we'd bring peanut butter and jelly and we'd just go. I think it's, a, it's really a, just go. Just don't, don't sweat it. Just, just do it. And they say your brain, like... New experiences cause new neurons to fire and your brain expands and stuff. There's something about just going out and doing it little by little and and uh, too many people are let the I don't know how to do it hold them back. It's like, figure it out. Yeah. You'll figure it out when you're there. Like, just start. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, I'm really glad we finally got to sit down and do this. Um you're still my hero. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Brian Cole. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you so much for hopping on, man. Absolutely. Thanks, brother. All right, y'all. That'll do it for this episode of The Wild Initiative. Check out the show notes page at thewildinitiative.com. Get links to everything we talked about in today's episode. That'll do it for this week. Looking forward to next time. But until then, I hope this episode inspired you to get involved, get outdoors, and plan your initiative for the wild. Thank you for listening to The Wild Initiative. Please take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher and head on over to thewildinitiative.com to get show notes, check out the blog, gear discounts, other podcasts from the Wild Initiative family, and more. 